This episode of the Screen Tripper podcast was first broadcast on the 13th of January 2017. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Screen Tripper, the podcast about film and TV from Culture Trip. I am Kasam Luch, the film and TV editor of the site, and joining me today will be India Doyle, our fashion editor, to talk about all the fashion trends on the red carpet. We'll also be speaking to the stars of Manchester by the Sea. Casey Affleck, Michelle Williams and the director Kenny Lonergan and we'll be joined by the other Affleck brother Ben who will be talking about his movie Live by Night. Keep tuned to Screen Tripper. So joining me now is the fashion editor of Culture Trip India Doyle here in London and you've had a look at some of the outfits from the Golden Globes. What stood out for you and were there any major trends that you spotted this year? So I think because of the uh, excitement around La La Land the main trend is definitely yellow. So we had quite a few people kind of adopting that on the carpet. You had like low plunge gold numbers and then you also had like Reese Witherspoon in quite a classic buttercup yellow. So I think that will continue to kind of dominate red carpets as it goes. The thing about red carpets is they are obviously very glamorous. There's uh, obviously styles that are a hit or a miss. It always goes up and down. But the guys tend to keep it very simple, very safe. Do you think it's too safe? And what do you think would work for someone apart from a black tuxedo on a red carpet? See, I've been thinking about this a lot. Yes, it is too safe. I think the way in which they need to do it is by the shoes. Because I looked at the Stranger Things kids and they were all wearing like amazing loafers. And I think you have to just like bring some serious attitude through your footwear and also through like accessories like pocket squares, bow ties. So we should follow the kids then, is that what you're saying? Following the kids, yeah. The next generation. <laughs> exactly. And finally, do you have any predictions that what we might see at the Oscars, which is the big event, end of February? Do you think that trend for La La Land will continue? It's obviously one of the favourites. It's won a huge number of awards. Just recently announced that it's won uh, or been nominated for a number of BAFTAs. Is it going to be all La La Land all the way to the Oscars? Um, it's highly possible, although people might get embarrassed by like copying one trend. The thing about Oscar dresses, or just in general kind of like evening dresses, is how much skin it covers. So people get really into like revealing more of that with a kind of plunging neckline. Um, so I think what we'll see is some quite like rogue flesh revealing uh, cuts. Like Sarah Jessica Parker wore a kind of off-shoulder bias cut thing um, at Golden Globes. And I think we'll see more like avant-garde uh, cuts as we go along to try and like shake things up a bit. Excellent. Well, we'll keep an eye out. We'll have you back on when we have the Oscars and we'll see who worked and who didn't work it. Uh, in the meantime, thanks for joining us. India Doyle. <laughs> so we've heard a lot about La La Land, the big winner at the Golden Globes recently, and it's also been nominated for a number of awards at the BAFTAs. It's almost certain to repeat the same trick at the Oscars and it's out this week. Also out this week, however, is another film doing incredibly well in the awards season. It's Manchester by the Sea. It stars Casey Affleck, Michelle Williams, and is directed by Kenneth Lonergan. And we spoke to all of them recently when they were in London. I began by asking the film star Casey Affleck, who did win the Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Dramatic Role this week, about the film. And asked him exactly how he got into character and how he played such an emotionally driven man. Well, um... But because uh, I've been an old friend of Kenny's, uh, I am an old friend of his, and uh, known for years, and a, a huge fan of his writing. And the part was obviously going to be very challenging, and it was the whole script was so well written that in some ways it's kind of the perfect project. You know, it's got a, a great foundation, like a very very strong blueprint, but it's complicated. And it's hard, and however, you have this uh, guide who is I had total faith in. I kind of thought, what more could you ask for? 
One of the things that I really like about Kenny's writing is that the emotions kind of surprise you. You're sort of following the story along and you're laughing with these characters and trying to figure out all that's happening and who they are. And then suddenly you get the rug pulled out from under you and, and effective because the experience that the reader's having or the audience member, if the whole thing works, is um, the same as the characters, that you're suddenly some horrible, tragic thing just happens like out of nowhere. Um, and it's, it feels... Devastating. I thought a little bit about things that, you know, were sort of the times that you had something happen in your life that's really surreal and you think like you can't comprehend it. You can't understand what you're seeing because it is so out. There's no frame of reference for it. I watched a bunch of, thank God for YouTube, but you can sort of learn so much from human by human behavior in extreme circumstances by just watching videos of people and how they behave. Oh, look, there's a video or tape of a real person watching their entire town go away in a tsunami. How do they behave, you know? And I think there's a kind of like bafflement, you know, very often you see on people that it's not a huge wailing expression of like shock and grief. It's more of a stunned incomprehensibility sort of that's happening. And, and, and I guess there are moments in this movie, like watching that your whole house, your whole life go up in flames is a little bit like that. Where you just sort of stare and, and sort of it's a combination of sort of horror and disbelief at the same time. Next up, we spoke to Michelle Williams, who also stars in the film Manchester by the Sea. And we asked her about her role in the movie and how it had an impact in her private life. Um, I really just try and be guided by a kind of instinctual response to the material and it happens very quickly or it doesn't happen at all it's an instinctual response and it's a kind of physical response like I can feel my heart like want to jump out of my chest and then my brain starts working on it like it's a little puzzle and I need to solve it and and that's how I know that I want to do something and it just becomes a sort of becomes like a part of my thought process even if I don't have the role or even if I don't get the role it just is something that I'm drawn to and then start thinking a lot about. I like to keep it real simple in my life. Simple, safe, at the speed limit. And for some reason in my work life, I'm really drawn to things that I don't know how to do, things that risk colossal failure and embarrassment. That is, that's apparently, it's not a conscious thought, but it's apparently that is the kind of motivating factor for me. We sort of thought that they were probably high school sweethearts kind of thing. And I think that they have a really playful relationship. I hope that that's what you see in the beginning is that there's a lot of back and forth, you know. And I really found that in the women that I talked to and met and spent time with up there. There's a kind of like rough around the edges quality that's not just the men. It's also really the women. There's They are on equal playing fields in terms of their ability to spar and joke and drink and and I hope that comes through. And finally the film's writer and director Kenneth Lonergan explained to us how he took on the film and why it changed significantly from when he first boarded the project. The characters are have a humorous outlook on life. I mean they have the characters have a good sense of humor several of them and and I that I feel like that's an important element to the story to keep it from being too relentlessly grim because then I think it gets to be a bit false and it's like a stories battering you over the head with how miserable life is and life life certainly can be miserable but it but not only last night i was just thinking about different films and i was thinking about uh dr Zhivago, which is not to compare myself to david lean at all for a moment but uh that that can't imagine that story anywhere else and the the way he alternates the immensity of the 
terrible consequences of the Russian Revolution with the immensity and beauty of Russia, the Russian landscape and the continual contrast between the beauty of, of nature and the horror of human behavior side by side throughout the whole film is, is you wouldn't want to just move that somewhere else. Um, and on a smaller scale, I think this film, the environment and how people move through it are, 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 are very uh, strongly connected. Next up is the mob drama that's also out this week, Live By Night, and we spoke to the film's writer and director, Ben Affleck, and his co-star, Chris Messina. I began by asking Ben what it was like to make a gangster film and what his inspiration was behind the movie. I wanted to make a, like an homage, a throwback, a classic Hollywood movie in this genre. And uh, I mean, is it, is it the glamour of the era that, that you wanted to capture, or is it just the wider sense between the characters? It's the, it was the epic sort of sense of scope and scale that used to be what a, what a Hollywood blockbuster was. And it was also, the, it was also that, that the feel, you know, the hats, the guns, the suits, the malls, you know, that, that is so rich and pulpy and, and wonderful. I really wanted to to do that. Chris, your character is um, very closely uh, linked with Ben's character. Um, but there's a scene in it where he questions your loyalty. Um, I mean, how does he take that? Does he take that personally? Is that an affront to him that he's been questioned for once? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think there's, uh, look, there's a love between these two guys. There's a brotherhood. And uh, I think yeah, it kind of goes with the genre that everybody's kind of questioning everybody. But these guys will, you know, they'll go, they'll go down together. And Ben, I, th- I thought the female characters were really well done in this film. Um, how important was it to, to get that across? Uh, something that we normally do uh, see kind of undermined in this genre. Yeah, well, you know what? There aren't a lot of great roles for women just in general. And, and with this, uh, I had three really great actresses who all filled out these roles in great, you know, in their own way and with real aplomb. And they, yeah, it, was, uh, it was fun to be able to, to tell a story that had rich three-dimensional women in it as well. In terms of recreating the sets, I mean, how hard was that? Was it finding locations that fit the purpose, or did you build it? It's hard. It's a lot of work. You build, you do signage, you do clothes, you do... I mean, you got to do every single... You got to find the cars from the car collectors. It's like, you know, none of this stuff is just out there to find. You got to put it all together. It's really like making a science fiction movie. I mean, it's the same thing as trying to build a spaceship. You know, you're, you're building a completely artificial environment when, when you're working together how hard is it for you to separate being a director and an actor and can, can you kind of see that on set that there is a clear distinction he's very smooth and graceful how he kind of dances between all of it it's uh, it's fun it's fun to watch when you're in a scene with him he's completely joe and i'm dion and that's it and then we cut and we go over to the monitor and he's the director and he's kind of giving you notes and all that stuff so it's it's fun to watch him uh, move throughout. He does it. He does it with much ease. The reason I wanted to work with Chris again is because I had such a great time with him on Argo. We such a it was such a fast and easy collaboration, and I felt like we had common frame of reference, and we were in the same. And and he's just such a such a hard worker. This is the guy you want in the trenches with you. So I knew I wanted him in the movie from the beginning. I, I didn't want to do a movie without this guy. And you mentioned Argo, and you've done various different genres in, in, in your time as director. Is that part of the challenge for you, finding different genres that you can do? It definitely keeps it interesting. You know what I mean? I wouldn't want to do the same genre over and over again. I, would, I think I would really get bored pretty fast. Um, but, you know, with the same token, it's, it's challenging to change it up and try different stuff, and, you know, you're, you're taking a lot of risk. What, what do you think would be the hardest thing about the next genre that you tackle? Is there anything that you kind of feel might be weighted against you? I think, I think well, you're always kind of being judged against your last, the last movies that you did. I think 
the next movie that I do, if I do, uh, you know, like a big budget Hollywood, you know, fancy movie like that, I think there's, you know, people are gunning for you. So that those are you have to be uh, really on your on your toes. And finally, we speak to British star Sienna Miller, who plays the sassy gangster's doll Emma Gould in the movie. I began by asking her about her character. The character you play, Emma, I think she thrives in that environment. Um, I was wondering, how do you think you would cope in, in that era? I think it was hard to be a girl in that world. I think she's a, she's a real survivor. She's a scrapper. How would I cope? I don't know. I, I think you'd have to, you'd have to struggle. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I came from the wrong side of the tracks like Emma, I'd probably be like Emma. Well, why do you think she does have that kind of fighting spirit about her what, what is it from her background that gives her that well you learn that she doesn't have she doesn't know her mother's maiden name she died her uncle is a murderer her father is a pimp so you get a sense of the kind of upbringing she had which was obviously negligent and violent and 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 oppressive towards women and so she's just I think a broken creature and her reaction to that is just to just to, to survive and the only way to do that in that era if you have that background was on the arm of a powerful, therefore dangerous man like Albert White. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it like working with a, a director who's also... Do you think it's quite hard for him to separate the two things, or how does he do that? You know, he's done it so many times and so successfully, I don't think he struggles with it at all. It's seamless. I imagine it could be awkward. I'd done it once before with Steve Buscemi uh, in a film, and again, it, it felt very organic. You know, they're, Ben in a scene is Joe, and then we do it a few times, then he'll go to the monitor and finesse it and watch it back, I think. But intuitively, he's just able to wear that many different hats. You mentioned the hats, because the fashion and the style of that era, I really like. I think I think the guys and the girls look fantastic. Amazing, amazing. I mean, if there was one thing you'd take from that era, what, what would you do? What would you Fashion-wise? Mm. Oh, I love the headbands, and I love a man in a hat. I think the men should wear hats every day in three-piece suits. Gorgeous. Well, I went for the suit. But yes, no, you're doing yeah, you're very well dressed. Speaking to Ben earlier, he also mentioned how important it was to have some great female characters. In, and I think there are three great female characters yes. in this movie. Is there anything that links the three characters together in terms of what personality traits they have? No. Are they all completely different? I'd say they were all completely different. You know, Emma's the damaged one. Although, well, no, Elle's character is pretty Loretta. Mm. Zoe's a good woman, her character in it, Graciela. They're different and they're unique and that was one of the things I loved about the script is that there were sort of three chapters with three strong female parts within them and uh, and then really understood that and I think that was a huge draw for, to him for the project as well. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the uh, attraction between Joe and Emma then? What is it that brings them together? I think the laws of attraction are very complicated. There's, there's just something that exists between them that they, you know, it's toxic and I think they both have a sense that it's a dangerous thing but there's something compelling in that and you know that happens a bad love I think it happened to them mm-hmm. and the, the characters and I won't spoil it but they all have not necessarily the happiest of endings do you yeah. think given the setup that we have for the film and the genre that it's in that's inevitable in some way it was a pretty tragic era and I think that much crime and that much violence can only end one way for Emma uh, I think she was doomed yeah <laughs> And there you have it. Thanks for joining us on the Screen Tripper podcast by Culture Trip. I have been Kassam Luch, the film and TV editor of the site. You can tune in and subscribe via iTunes. And join us next week when we'll have more exclusives from the world of movies and TV. Bye.